All right, well, thank you. I am honored and privileged to be here, and uh, I always love to come and spend some time with you folks here at Fellowship. Uh, I'm thankful to be able to bring God's Word today, uh, and really thankful for the worship, for Trey's ministry, for all the staff here at uh, Fellowship. Um, I'm sorry that Lee is not feeling good, Pastor Lee, as we call him, and uh, uh, one of the one of the uh, joys of my position uh, is being able to be at events like where Pastor Lee was commissioned, and and uh, and that was a beautiful, wonderful day. Um, and I got the video where Pastor Lee. Some of you were here on Father's Day and saw the video where Pastor Lee called in John Weaver, who's the director of the Wesley Foundation at MTSU and Trey and chastised them for their dad jokes and kind of got out ahead of that because the last couple of years I think you've heard some pretty bad jokes. And, uh, and so we thank Pastor Lee for that. And I want to test and see uh, what happens uh, after I tell some horrible jokes. See, I want to see if Pastor Lee is, uh, he may not feel good enough to be listening today, but if it gets back to him, I want to see if he puts the robe on and calls me to his office. So I wanted to share a couple of corny jokes with you straight off of the internet. Uh, what did Jonah's family say when he told them about what happened before reaching Nineveh? Hmm, sounds fishy. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, let's see, what, uh, what did the classmate say when asked why they kept walking next to the same person in school? Anyone? I was told I was supposed to walk by faith. But I'm bump. All right. That's a good one as well. What did Adam say when asked his favorite holiday? Anyone? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. All right. Very good. One more. <laughs> this is not going well for the sermon. But, uh, what do you call a Bible character who just pulled into church? A parking lot. All right. Well, now that I've got y'all warmed up. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Y'all are like, are we going to get to God's word finally? Um, I want to give you a little context before we read God's word. First of all, Trey mentioned that I'm the district superintendent. And so you're part of the Stones River District, which is 112 churches. And, uh, and that's not all of the churches in Middle Tennessee. That's just a fraction of the churches in Middle Tennessee. Um, that's from South Nashville around the Hillcrest area down to, uh, down to Winchester, Pelham, that type of thing. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that I get to do is sort of uh, uh, go into churches and visit with people and, and talk to pastors and help churches if they need help. Uh, a, a lot of them don't need my help, so I try to remember that, you know, they don't need me. Um, but I also try to set the tone for what's going on in the district. And I, I feel like coming out of the pandemic that a lot of us are asking the question, well, what's the post-pandemic church going to look like? And, and a lot of us are afraid or scared, and there's been a lot of difficulties through the pandemic, for sure, right? But God has put a word of encouragement on my heart that I want to share with you today. Uh, and it's out of Ezekiel 37. And, uh, and I'm going to share with you, before we read the scripture, what kind of a shape the people were in, in this context, in the biblical context. But before I do that, I want to just share with you one thing that happened this morning. 
uh, you know, there's so many negative things that came through the pandemic, but I got a text from a family that worships here, and they said, we really hate that we're going to not be there in person. We're, we're headed to the beach with our family, and they have young kids, and they said, but we'll be worshiping online with you as we go down to the beach. And it really hit me this morning. How positive is that? Like, like we tend to think, well, we, we really hated to be away or whatever, but but God moved the church through about 10 years worth of changes in one year, helping us to see that we really needed to make some switches and, and be able to offer what we're now offering online. It's not that online is the end-all, be-all, but I think about this family's young children. And, and, and a lot of us left for vacations on, on Sunday or, or we were away on vacation on Sunday, right? And if you were like I was, you didn't go to church, you just kind of, that was a Sunday you missed. But now, this family is going to be worshiping with us online, and these children naturally are going to be a part, the church is going to be a part of them wherever they are, wherever they go. And I think, what's that going to mean for the witness of Jesus in the world? That you're going to have these kids growing up where church is not a place, it's not an event, Church, church is uh, uh, really the people, it's who they are. And they, they take the church wherever they go and they're a part of the church wherever they are. Can you imagine 25 years from now what that one little switch to offering online along with in person is gonna mean to the witness of Christ in this world? There's somebody out there uh, that is gonna run into someone and be saved because of that. So it's, it's exciting to think about what could happen. Now in this scripture, uh, Ezekiel 37, one through 10 is what I'm gonna read. And in this scripture, the people are uh, in Babylon. They're not in their own country. Israel had fallen and so they were, uh, they were headed off. They were in captivity. They were in what we call dispersion, which means they were dispersed. They were not in their home place. They were not able to worship in their home place. Does that sound familiar? And, and, uh, and so, Ezekiel has this uh, encounter with God. So hear, hear this word from God, uh, hear God's word. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And bone came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet. A vast army. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement of your word. We thank you for the correction of your word when we need it for the counsel, for the challenge, for the beauty of your word living in our hearts, for how your word has established peace and strength. We pray and ask now that the Holy Spirit would impress upon our hearts the meaning of this word, that you would speak in and through me, in spite of me, that you would uh, speak to us individual words to our hearts and a communal word together, that you would transcend uh, human language and body language and all that goes on up here between the congregation and myself, and that you would speak powerful words in our midst by the power of your Holy Spirit miraculously. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Well, when I think about my life and I think about the church's life, I think, well, that's what we really want, right? We want the hand of the Lord to be upon fellowship and upon Trey and upon Pastor Lee and the staff. And I certainly want the hand of the Lord to be upon me, right? If you're a Christian, you pray for that. Oh, Lord, put your hand upon me. But you want to know what? I want the hand of the Lord upon me for some very specific things. Do you want to hear them? Do you want to hear them? Yeah. I want to be spectacular. That's just the bottom line. I, I, I want to be like, I, not, you know, like, I want to be hugely spectacular. I want the hand of the Lord to be upon me. And, and when I preach and when I, when I teach and when I do all kinds of things that preachers do, I want, you know, it to be totally, utterly successful. You know, man, the hand of the Lord is upon Chip. He's awesome. That's what I want. But the scripture is a little bit different uh, than what we want, right? Ezekiel says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. So I'm dealing with uh, la-la land life, you know, like, oh, I want success in the way that I see success. But I'm a person, and, uh, and I'm weak, and I'm, I don't do things correctly. And so if the hand of the Lord is going to be upon me, uh, and I'm really going to go where the Lord leads me, um, and I'm really listening to the Lord, is the Lord going to lead me to these wonderful places of success where everybody thinks Chip is great? Is the hand of the Lord going to lead fellowship church and your ministry to these wonderful places where it's like, that's the awesome church, you know, that's the end all be all. Well, if we're paying attention to what the Lord wants to do, which is bring people to life, probably not, right? And, and it wasn't the case with, e, with Ezekiel. Ezekiel was led to a valley where there were dry bones. It was full of dry bones. And it says that the Spirit led him back and forth among those bones. And, it, and Ezekiel says, I saw many bones on the valley floor, and they were very, very dry. And so when I was a kid, I thought about this sort of being a miraculous event, you know, sort of ushered into the, the valley, and, and that God would just kind of hover Ezekiel back and forth over the bones, but that's not what happened, and that's not what happens in our life. Let's talk about it the way it really happens. 
This is a man of God who has said, God, put your hand upon me, do what you want with me, lead me to where you want to lead me. And God leads Ezekiel into the valley where there are dry bones. And so you picture a man walking into a valley. If you were looking at it from a third person, it would just look like a person walking into a valley where there are dry bones, right? But he's being uh, ushered there by the hand of God. And it's not that he's floating over the dry bones because the, the scripture says the spirit led Ezekiel among the bones. So you get this picture of a guy who's going to the valley. He doesn't know why he's going to the valley other than the fact that he has a very close relationship with God. He finds himself in the valley and he's kicking up dust and dry bones as he's walking among the bones. It's not like he's just there as a non-participant. He's right in the middle of dry bones, dust, death. It's not a very good scene. And that's not where I want God to lead me if I'm truthful. But that is where Ezekiel finds himself. And in the midst of that, after he is led among the bones and he sees all that he can see, which is death, God asks him this question. Son of, man, son of man, can these bones live? Well, I, Ezekiel doesn't think they can live, right? <laughs> Not really. But you can't tell God these bones can't live. God led him out there. There's a point to this. If you find yourself in the, as a man or a woman of God in the desert and you're kind of kicking around bones and then God asks you, can these bones live? You're not going to say, I don't think so, you know. <laughs> But, he, but Ezekiel doesn't exactly have, what he sees is what he sees. So he, he doesn't say, uh, yeah, they can live, God. I think they can live, you know, because he really doesn't think they can live. So he says, oh, sovereign Lord, the church answer, right? Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. You're not going to tell God that the bones can't live. And, and, you know, at first glance, it looks like a sort of a, Sort of a uh, political type of an answer or a, you know, uh, uh, a people pleaser answer. I don't want to tell God the bones can't live, but these, you know, I mean, there's no tendons, there's no skin, they're dead. I've been kicking around, you know, I see no life here. You don't want to tell God that. It seems like kind of a weak answer, but you know, as I prayed about it and looked at it, this is a beautiful answer. This is a person who finds themselves in a place that Anybody else would have said there's no possibility of life, right? We can't fault him for thinking it, it might not be able to happen, but he's in a place where it just looks like there's no life, but his relationship with God will not let him say it's not possible. Think about the beauty of that answer. Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And think about the people in your family that you think are never going to change. Go ahead, think about Thanksgiving, the meal, the person who always, you know, whatever. Think about the serious issues that you have in your family that you really would like God to change in someone's heart. Think about the difference between somebody being alive in Christ and being dead to sin. We look at these things every day. We don't think that Life can come into this place where we only see death, right? But because Ezekiel had such a powerful relationship with God, he could not say, no, they can't live. It's possible with God. So he said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
And then God says to him, well, then prophesy to these bones. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So uh, God says to Ezekiel, well, then prophesy that these bones can come to life. And picture this, a man walking where there is death, no ingredients for life, kicking around bones and dust and saying to them, you're going to live. Hey, bones, you're going to live. You're going to come together and God's going to put tendons on you and flesh on you and, and, and uh, you're going to have breath put in you and you're going to live. Imagine how crazy that would look to a third person. But this tells us something about Ezekiel's relationship with God, right? I love this part of the story because it's not as if Ezekiel really knows it can happen or whatever, but he knows that all things are possible through God, and God tells him to prophesy, and this is just simply a matter of obedience. God told me to say this, and now I'm going to say it. And he starts to say it, right? Hey, bones, you can come to life. God's going to bring you to life. God's going to put skin on you. God's going to put tendons on you. You're going to live again. God's going to resurrect you. God's powerful. Whatever it is that Ezekiel says to the bones, as he's saying them, what happens? There's a noise, a rattling sound. Can you imagine being a man or a woman of God and going where God calls you to go and seeing nothing but life and God asking you that question, can there be life here? And you say, oh, I can't say no. Everything that I see would lead me to say no, but my relationship with you, I can't say no. Only you know God. And then God's saying, well, tell these bones that they can live. And as you're telling the bones they can live, you hear a sound. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 that, that rattling thing, sound, that scared me when I was a kid. Like, I didn't like the scripture. I was like, whoa, that's creepy, you know. Something like from a B movie or whatever, you know, all this creepy bones coming together. But now that I'm a preacher, and I've been a preacher for over 25 years, and I want life where there is death, and I want people who are caught in death and sin and, and whose lives are just a living hell to be brought to life by the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, Oh, my gosh. To do what God calls you to do and be where God calls you to be and to hear that rattling, I imagine Ezekiel going from someone who was simply obeying God and doing what God tells him to do to being elated with the possibilities of God. And so God gives him a, a second opportunity to prophesy. The first time was out of pure obedience, right? I'm where, where you led me to be. I'm doing what you called me to do. I'm being obedient. I'm, I'm in the, the place of death. Uh, I'm prophesying that life can come to this place. You told me to do that. I'm not at all sure it can actually happen, but I know you're God. So now I'm seeing it happen. I'm hearing the rattling of bones. And God says... Well, then prophesy. Prophesy to the breath. Since there's no breath in these bones yet, prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these that were slain that they might live. And I imagine Ezekiel to be excited in this moment, right? 
He's seen the bones start coming to life. And now God says, prophesy to the breath. So he's not even prophesying to the slain anymore. He's prophesying to the breath. He's calling forth the breath. Come, breath. Come from the four winds. Breathe into these that are slain. And at this point, I imagine him to be quite certain that these bodies can be resurrected through the power of God. I just think, how exciting would it be to be able to have that honor and privilege to see such a vast army who was dead brought back to life. Well, it's easy to see, right? Where's God calling the church in, in this post-pandemic? And, you know, I don't know. They, you look at the news and they say, well, maybe it's not post-pandemic. I don't know. I kind of stop watching the news because it scares me. But, but where is God calling the church now? And I say to you, the valley. Where, where else could God call us where the mission would be so fruitful, you know? But what I hear a lot of times and what my temptation is in my heart is to be called back to February 2020 before the pandemic, right? Or in my uh, experience, like in the 80s when I was in high school, we were building Christian life centers and youth groups were exploding. And uh, my, my sister was in a puppet ministry. It was creepy, to be honest, but she was in a puppet ministry and it was pretty effective. God didn't care what I thought about it, but it was creepy. So anyway, I, I tend to think, oh, maybe God's calling us back to that, right? To be a success. The hand of the Lord be upon us, God, so that we can go back to what we used to be. But the message that I keep getting, not that it wasn't wonderful, not that it's not great, not that parts of that aren't going to be part of who we are going forward, but God keeps telling me that was not enough. It was never enough. I got you out of your buildings for 10 months or whatever it was. I got you out of your comfort zone. Don't waste that. Pray for the hand of the Lord to be upon you as individuals, as Christian people, as, as, uh, as God's ambassadors, ambassadors to Christ. We are all Christian ministers, right? And God's Spirit is calling us to the valleys, to the places where we don't see life. And God is saying, prophesy, prophesy to the potential here. Prophesy to my power. Tell these people the answer, Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit working in people's hearts, bringing them back to life. So, yes, it's beautiful to be able to come back in person and be in person and to be strengthened each and every week. But it's not so that we can do this. This is not the point. The point is out there where God calls us to be in ministry. And God doesn't call us out there to get in arguments with other sects and other people, you know, all the, uh, oh, well, we're, getting, we're gonna get in, in, in an argument with the Presbyterians or with other part of the United Methodist Church or non-denominate, we're gonna get online and argue with one. Not really, I mean, I think God's calling us to these places where people are desperate and in need. I've got this mind, I've got this guy in my mind. I made him up. His name is Carl, and he owns a tire store. And he goes to one of the churches in the district that I serve. And he's owned this tire store forever, and he's got a friend named Bob. And he's known Bob forever. And
and at least three days a week, Bob comes by the tire store to drink coffee, right? And Bob is lost as a ball in high weeds. His life has no foundation. It's a mess. He's angry with everyone. Uh, He's uh, oftentimes belligerent. His wife and his kids uh, tolerate him. His his message isn't a message of grace and generosity. You know, it's always the opposite. Life's really beaten Bob down. And so Bob is not necessarily a candidate for coming to Fellowship Church, right? Like he's not just going to drive by and say, I might pop in. He thinks that Christians are hypocritical. He thinks he uh, knows more about the church than people that are in the church. He's not coming to church. But he goes to Carl's Tire Store three days a week at least to drink coffee. And Carl has been a member of a church in the Stones River District forever. And Carl knows nothing about evangelism, how to speak to people about Jesus. He knows how to sell tires. But Jesus has done some powerful things in Carl's life and in his family's life. The question is this. Is Carl going to allow the Spirit to lead him to talk to Bob about Jesus? Carl doesn't have to know how to witness. He just has to listen to the Spirit. And when the Spirit says, hey, Carl, talk to Bob about me. (laughs) It's just a matter of being obedient and doing it. And as he does it, the odds are he'll start to hear the rattling of all the possibilities that lie in the power of the Holy Spirit in Bob's life. And that's not going to happen in this building. It's going to happen at Carl's Tire Shop. And so our churches are going to be filled with Bob's in the next 10 years. People that didn't find Jesus in a worship service but found them right in the middle of their own lives. And some of the Bobs aren't, aren't ever going to come to worship. They're just going to be out there somewhere, right? They're going to be uh, folks that accept Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and lives are changed and they're brought to life and they're going to be out there and they might not ever enter these doors. And so as a you know, district superintendent and as the big machine of the United Methodist Church, you're like, well, how are we going to deal, deal with that? You know, What's going to happen? You know, what? We got, they got to get in here and become a member, and we got to count them, right? Well, I don't know how that's going to all work. I do know that the way the church generally works is if they don't come in here, we'll find a way to count them. <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about it. The point is not membership roles or attendance. The point is life and death. Ezekiel is a beautiful story of life being brought where there is death. It's a beautiful story of example for us of what we can be in the world. And you don't have to go to an evangelism conference or be trained in any certain way to ask the hand of the Lord to be upon you and take you to the place where only you can speak God's word. You just have to be a willing Participant. I, I would venture to say uh, that that um, 
some of the ways in which I would mess up evangelizing to people you wouldn't because you don't have all the church language I have. You know what I mean? You can relate to people in a different way than I have. Well, in this scripture, there was a vast army that stood up, and God explains to Ezekiel in verse 11, then he said, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. They felt like people who had been driven out of their places and they felt like there was no hope. And God was telling Ezekiel, this, these are the people. I'm bringing them back to life. And God is bringing our churches back to life, our people back to life. God is bringing hope back into our midst. And 10 years from now, our churches are going to be even more than they were in 1985 and even more than they were in February of 2020. And we're going to look around and we're going to see hundreds if not thousands of people that have been brought to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is impossible through God. All things are possible. Well, at this time, I'd like to just uh, pray for you. And if you'll bow your heads, I just want to pray at the... At the close of the worship service, the the praise team is going to come and sing a song. And um, I invite you to kind of turn your hearts towards allowing the Holy Spirit in as we pray. And and as the the band plays the last song after I pray, um, if you would like for the hand of the Lord to be upon you, if you'd like to recommit your life to being totally open to wherever God calls you to go and whatever God calls you to say, uh, I would invite you as the praise team plays to maybe come up and kneel at these stairs and and uh, and let that be a holy moment between you and God. I, I won't bother you and come up and pray something different than what you want me to pray, you know, or, or ask you if something's wrong. Um, but if you just want to kind of open up your heart to God in that time, I invite you, uh, those of you that like to do that, to come forward and to kneel at the steps and pray. So, God, we thank you so much for your calling in our lives. There is a lot to be concerned about, but there's so much to be hopeful for. Help us to be your people. We confess that uh, we want your hand to be upon us because we, we want to succeed. I confess that at, at 53, I, I, there, there are just things that I wish I had done or been wildly successful in and probably not for your glory. Uh, but because I'm a little boy inside and <laughs> would really, really like to have something to prove that I'm somebody. But yet your word says, I am yours. I am your son. And so call me away from uh, that place that uh, is selfish. Bring me to your spirit. Put your hand upon me and put your hand upon those who are here today that we might go where we're sent that we might prophesy as you call us to prophesy, that we might have the privilege of hearing the sound of life, and that we might have the privilege of calling forth your breath for those in the world who uh, need resurrecting power. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.